0: Hey everybody, welcome back. Do you have ADHD and afraid to start up a new business, or afraid to enter into a new job, or just afraid of failure? Well, my next guest, Rob Kerchek, is a very successful ADHDer who's opened up many businesses, things from You Fix It to a health club to now a Human First, where his mission is to help companies go back to a four-day work week and help families deal with putting the technology down and being a family again so sit back relax and grab your favorite beverage and i'll see you on the other side see you there Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today I'm joined with Rob Kurchak. Welcome to the show, Rob.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Reed. Really appreciate the opportunity and really grateful to be here today.
0: So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll get when we'll go on with the questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a small town of 2,500 in uh, in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, yeah, I have two really caring. Um, really caring parents and a sister who's two years younger than me, who has a, a, a a one-year-old. And then my wife and I just, my wife, Nikki, and I got married last October and uh, we're actually expecting a kid as well this January, our first kid. So we are uh, a little bit, I'm a little bit scared, you know, a little bit nervous, but also very excited. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I I also, you know, one thing that's probably helpful for the listeners to understand is uh, I do have ADHD and I also believe, and I've never been diagnosed with, but I believe I have sensory processing disorder and have had that since I was a kid as well. And so I think that, uh, you know, that maybe that resonates with the listeners and I definitely can understand, um, some of what you're going through as a, somebody who might have uh, autism or ADHD.
0: So do you remember the first business you started?
1: Oh yeah, totally. It was an anytime fitness health club. I, um, opened that business in, or I signed the paperwork in October of 2010. And then I opened the, the, uh, the gym on January 21st of 2011. I'll never forget that first day. And I had pre-signed up 95 members with my, this, my my club manager at the time as well. We both signed up 95 people. And the first person that came to the door for my first business ever, his name was Jeremy Rocker. And he came to the front door and he's like, hey, you know, I know you guys are open today. I want to get my key. And we gave him his key and he got in a workout. And that was like the first time that it, it was... A real, you know, it was like a real business that I had uh, started and that I, you know, was was actually generating revenue. It was really cool.
0: Right. Now, what would you say would be the hardest thing of having ADHD and running a business? <laughs>
1: Well, I should also probably clarify. So I I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur and I ended up owning three Anytime Fitness Health Clubs, four You Break, I Fix, Cell Phone repair Stores, a tech startup, and then my current consultancy, Humans First. And so that's nine companies in about the same number of years. And so what I wanted to show people is that even though you have ADHD, it is absolutely possible to be a successful entrepreneur. And in fact, I would almost argue you are or could become more successful than the average person because you have ADHD, because you have it. And so what ADHD does for me as an entrepreneur is it forces me to take action and do things that I wouldn't otherwise do. Um, And now I, I do admit that it's very challenging to to learn how to operate a company and become organized. And so um, it's interesting you asked this question because my newest consultancy, Humans First, the mission for my company is to help humanity understand how technology impacts mental health, relationships, and productivity at work. And the reason that I want to help people with that is I was seeing that as an entrepreneur, I was doing all these things and I felt like I was really busy, but at the end of the day, I couldn't write a list down of many of the things that I accomplished because I didn't actually accomplish a lot. I was getting super distracted all the time with my ADHD. And so what I've learned is how I can use technology in ways that serves me well and kind of act as like digital guidelines or digital bumpers to help me be more focused instead of distract me or take away from my focus.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start out their own company but either has ADHD or ASD or sensory processing disorder. Yeah,
1: um I think um I think starting a business has to be a good balance between research and action. And so if you think of it as a continuum, right? Like I could sit here on one end of the continuum is research where I could literally research something for 10 years and try to find the perfect business idea. Or I could also research something zero and just take action and start tomorrow, right? The ideal business is probably somewhere in the middle where you've researched something and for some amount of time, let's say it's maybe six months to a year, and then you start to take action and bring that idea to life and do a, like a series of small experiments. And then- depending on how successful those experiments are, you, you know um, reiterate or, or, or iterate, I should say, and uh, do a different experiment and try to make it more successful. My problem is that sometimes I wait too long and research things and take too long to find the perfect idea when I just need to do more stuff and take more action in the near term.
0: All right. Now, out of all your companies you've started up, do you have one that you'd, you would say was more enjoyable than the others? Ah,
1: uh, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like saying, you know, which of your kids is your favorite, you know, uh, and I, again, yeah. I don't have kids yet, but but here's here's the way I would look at it. I, I am so excited about my current company, Humans First. I actually sold all my other businesses so that I could focus on Humans First. And the reason is, there are 4.2 billion people connected to the internet today. I know that if every one of those people knew what I know about how technology impacts mental health, relationships and productivity at work, the entire world would be a completely different place. There would be so much more joy and happiness and connection between people and we would just live a better life. And that's why I'm really motivated to share this information
0: with people. All right. What was the one thing that drives you to go after your dreams? You know, I,
1: don't want to be on my deathbed and have any regrets. I don't want to wonder what if, you know, I don't want to be in my deathbed and wonder what if I had opened up that anytime fitness, or what if I had traveled around the world, or what if I had tried to get my CFA charter holder, what if I had approached that woman that ended up being my wife, you know, like, I don't want (laughs) to have to wonder about any of those things on my deathbed. And so, You know, um, what research shows, it's interesting is research shows that people in general, humans in general, regret far more things in life that they didn't do instead of the things that they did. And so I don't want to leave anything on the table when I'm on my deathbed. I want to experience everything life has to offer and have no regrets at the end.
0: So why don't you tell me a little bit more about Human First? How did you come up with it? How did you come up with the name and so on and so forth?
1: Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, um, you know, I I think that people are aware that we're obviously using technology a lot, but here's the statistic that really helped me name the company. And this is a statistic that was from before COVID. So you can't say, oh, like it was the impact of COVID that led to this. That's, That's not true. So in America, the average person spends 12 hours and 21 minutes a day in front of screens and media. Put it another way, we spend three quarters of our waking lives seven days a week in front of screens and media. But the thing is that the thing that brings the most joy and happiness and meaning and purpose in life is connecting with the hearts and souls of other people. And so, you know, we were spending three quarters of our lives in front of something that is not natural screens aren't in nature. They don't exist in nature. They're man-made. And so I, the name of my company humans first is a reminder to people that we are here to connect with other people and be with them and share moments with them and and use technology maybe a little bit less in our lives.
0: So would you say that technology is kind of disconnecting us from our lives?
1: <laughs> it's it, so, and I just want to be clear, right? Like I, I, I'm a nerd. I built my first computer from scratch in middle school, right? I love mm-hmm. technology. I think it's amazing. It does amazing things for humanity. But the way I describe myself is that I'm not anti-technology. I'm pro-humanity. And so I do believe that there is a ton, a ton of different ways that technology is negatively impacting our relationships, our communities, and our families. And that's why I call this area of study that I'm talking about technology mindfulness. It's not just productivity and it's not just um, awareness. It's using tech. So technology mindfulness to me is using technology in a way that makes your life easier, not harder.
0: All right. What would you account for your success?
1: I am a stubborn mother effer. Like I am very, very stubborn and very gritty. If I want something, I will not stop until I get that thing. I just won't stop. And I believe that that is, you know, there's a lot of studies that show that this grit, right. Which is a kind of a combination of passion and perseverance. That grit is the number one factor that determines what makes an entrepreneur successful. And there's many, 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 many times in the last four years when I was working on humans first that I wanted to quit or I wanted to stop, or it didn't seem like I was making a difference, or that I could figure out the business model. But I now understand what the business model is and how I can Mm -hmm. help people. And it's very motivating to me.
0: Very excited about it. Now, how is humans first doing today?
1: Yeah. So what, so what I'm doing with humans first is I help teams, individuals, and entire companies with their technology mindfulness. The main, the, my, I guess, um, highest level offering is I serve as an advisor and a guide to companies who officially want to transition from a five day work week to a four day work week with no loss in productivity or profitability. And so I help companies facilitate that entire transition and Give every single person in the company back, including the management team, an entire day of time, which to me is so meaningful. Like that is one -hmm. of the most incredible things that I could give people is the gift of time. Imagine what you could do with an entire day of time back for a week. How much time could you spend with your family or could you be traveling or could you be exercising or even just relaxing and just doing the things you love? That to me is very meaningful. And I want to give people that.
0: Now how do you go about doing that? Because I mean, I remember one of my first jobs, I was working in ISP and I started out working a four day, ten hour work week. Yeah. And that that was exhausting because I mean, when you're working in ISP, you're at twenty four seven. So I would work from like I'd almost I'd be coming home at twelve o'clock at night coming from downtown and my parents didn't want anything of didn't want anything about that because they knew it was just coming home at the worst times, leaving the Howard L station.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, um, I, uh, can can you, this is a very ironic, can you repeat the question one more time? I just want to make sure that I'm answering correctly.
0: How do you go about transitioning to them to the four, the four day work week?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, So, I mean, the the answer is somewhat complicated, right? I mean, I could tell you in a couple of sentences, but basically, um, here's what's happening to today's world with white collar workers. The average white collar worker sends and receives 126 emails per day, and so if you're if you think to yourself, okay, well, there that's about if you take two minutes on average per email, that's not a lot of time. Then, on average, the average white collar worker is spending four hours per day on email just on email alone. Then let's say they spend about two hours in meetings, right? That's pretty normal. Some Mm -hmm. people even spend more. Then you only have two hours left in an eight hour day after your meetings and email to actually like do the work that you're supposed to be doing, like do your job, which is, I mean, who can do their job in two hours? Like no one, right? Or not many people. That's very challenging. And so... All of my, the, the entire system that I have for humans first in transitioning a company to a four day week is to eliminate a lot of the BS low value stuff that people do, eliminate distractions and help them focus on what matters most. And, you know, you'd, so think about it. If I can even just cut down your email volume in half, I'm not saying eliminate email. I'm just saying I cut your email in half that saves you over a day per week, right there of time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh, yeah, because in a given day, an average person's dealing with at least what a hundred emails to two hundred emails a day, and it's either answering, deleting, and it's. So I'm guessing you, what you practically tell them to do is listen. You don't have to answer all your emails in one day. You can put half away put half away for the next day and answer them. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And that's certainly one way to accomplish it. But the other thing is, is it's really thinking critically about communicating and how you can communicate differently and more effectively. Cause what I see happening is a lot of people today are using email for things that should be a conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. for instance, they trade 10 emails back and forth about something, but they could have just had a 60 second conversation and accomplished the same amount of, you know, the came to the same conclusion, but when you add up all the time that both people spent trading 10 emails back and forth, it's 15 or 20 minutes when it could have just been a 60 second conversation. So like, if you do that a handful of times per week, you're saving hours and hours of time right there.
0: So basically if you, you probably tell them, if you have anything simple to tell another employee, don't email it, just pick up your phone and call them and say, Hey, answer this question. So that-,
1: that, yeah, yeah, that's a great suggestion read. And that is one of the types of, um, types of suggestions that I would make. Absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, where do you, um, get your inspiration from?
1: It's mm. a really good question. Um, you know, I would say my inspirations from my parents and my wife my wife uh, you know, really helps me, inspires me to be more empathetic and to understand other people's viewpoint more. And my parents have really inspired me to work hard and care a lot about other people. And they've served such a good role model for me that I'm really grateful for them and how much support that they've given me throughout my life. All right.
0: Now, on any given day, how do you deal with your ADHD while you're working? Because I know you, like... I mean, the best quote do, that I've heard about ADHD is we're like, have a Ferrari engine with bicycle brakes from Dr. Yes. at Hallowell. It's yes. we're constantly on the move. Our mind is constantly going. Yes. How do you deal with the constant thoughts that pop into your head at any given time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love that quote too. I tell that to people very often. You have a Ferrari of a mind and I just need to help you learn how to apply the brakes. I love it. Um, So I, I, I mean, that is the answer to that question is literally everything that I show people with humans first, but the main thing is there's ways that you can use technology to help you focus instead of making you not focus. So here's a couple examples. Um, one of the things that I have found super helpful is for me to block off time in my calendar to focus, right? And so every day from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., repeating infinitely, I have a block of time in my calendar that says GSD, which stands for get shit done. And so during that time, right? Here's what I don't do. I do not during 8 to 11 a.m. check my email. I Again, I do not check my email. I do not make appointments. I do not take phone calls. I try not to check my phone. I try to do everything humanly possible to just focus on whatever is the most important one or two things for that day. And then even if the rest of my day is goes to crap and I don't get anything done, I've at least still accomplished the most important thing and the day is a win. It's amazing. And so another kind of like hack related to that is that on my phone, I have set it so that every day from 8am to 11am automatically it turns in onto a focus or do not disturb mode. So now during, from like, if I pick up my phone at 10, 15am, it looks dark. It looks, it's in do not disturb. And it's a, it's a signal to me to not be on my phone and be focusing. And so like I've set up all these kind of digital bumpers in order to help me. And, and, they, again, like it doesn't mean that I couldn't override them. Of course I could, but it really is a big reminder. Like, Oh yeah, you shouldn't be on your phone right now. Don't be checking your text messages or whatever.
0: Does that make sense? What do you say to somebody who says they have ADHD, but they're just afraid to venture out and try their own business or who's just scared of failure? Yeah. Well,
1: I hate to break it to you, but there's always going to be a fear of failure, right? Here's the thing is, there's actually a fear of failure. Even if you don't start a business, you know why? Because you could get fired from your job and that's mm-hmm. a failure. And so if you reframe it to yourself to think that there's always a chance that you're going to fail, even if you, let's say, started a nonprofit that's not even for profit, but it doesn't work, that could also be a failure. And so there's failure at every single thing that you can do in life, whether it's you're an entrepreneur or not. And so if you start to realize, oh, like there's always this failure and that's never going to go away. That's never, even if I was a billionaire, but I started a company that doesn't guarantee that it's going to be successful. It could easily Easily fail, And so if you think about failure as something that isn't meant to be avoided, but actually embraced, and you have an attitude like this, and this is the attitude that I have, I'm either winning or I'm learning. I'm either winning or I'm learning. And so if I fail, it's not really failing, it's learning. And once I, once I adopted that viewpoint, either I'm winning or I'm learning, it really changed a lot for me.
0: Now, how... How is your regular day going with your ADHD? Do you find yourself getting distracted during your just normal day routine?
1: Totally. I mean, but that's why I'm so over the last four years, I've run many, many, many hundreds, hundreds of experiments on myself in order to th- figure out how I could use technology in the way that serves me best. And so I've tried, I've tried like, dozens of different ways of calendar time blocking, just that one thing, right? Like I've tried that dozens of different ways and I found the one that, that works for me. Do, do I still get distracted? Absolutely. Sometimes I'm finding myself researching vacuums and shit online when I should be, <laughs> when I should be, you know, working and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I am going i should not be doing that. But the point is that and and I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to completely eliminate distractions because that's not realistic, but I am way, way, way less distracted than I used to be. Like, let's say if, if when I didn't, you know, I wasn't regulated, I was a hundred percent distracted. I'm like 10 to 20% distracted now. Is that zero? No. Is it ever going to be zero? Probably not. But like, I'm so much more focused that I can accomplish a ton of stuff. And that is really like, is a huge, very meaningful change in my life. Now
0: you say, no, you say you were regulated. Does that mean you're on medicine? No, I'm not. I, I, I
1: I generally take like, uh, I shouldn't say no, but I only take like uh, Adderall once a week, one day a week, you know, because, um, the other thing is I'm really obsessed with like a lot of data. And I actually, because I wanted to be my own experiment, I wore four fitness trackers for four (laughs) months to track all the data, I wore two aura rings and two whoops. And I wo- so I wore all these fitness trackers for four months just to see, you know, to compare the data. And what I found, and I do think that, the, that people need to know this, this is very important. What I found is that no matter what kind of Adderall I took, whether it was instant release or like a longer acting Vyvanse, no matter what time of the day I took it, no matter what I took, the dose I took, even if it was a low dose, it negatively impacted my sleep and my recovery, no matter what. And so I only, you know, want to take it once or maybe two days a week at most, because I know that the trade off is that yes, I'm productive during the day. And I for sure focus better. But the trade off is that I don't sleep nearly as well, as well, no matter what I do. And that has a negative impact on me the following day.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel you there. I mean, when I got after my trial, uh, clinical trial of the medicine, the mm. therapist became my therapist, and he prescribed me Adderall. Mm. I started mm-hmm. out at five, and I'm like, I can't take this. It right. makes my heart race like a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. I tried half, and that still made me more aggressive. I was getting into arguments with my mother. So I yeah. went dial, he's like, okay, let's dial it down even more. I'm like, can you really do that? He's like, yeah, you can go down to a quarter. And a quarter is mm. what I'm on every day. And then do notice that it does impact my sleep. But with the mixture of CBD after the cool down, it kind of helps mellow my mind out. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. And that's, I I appreciate you for sharing that read and I, there has been points in my life where I experimented with THC or CBD to get to bed. And I, I, for me personally, it just didn't, I didn't like how I felt necessarily on those all the time, but I, I know a lot of people who take those at night to like calm their mind. And I think it can totally be beneficial. Um, that's interesting that you found that that works for you. And I think that's great. I just, I just think the average person with ADHD who's taking Adderall has no idea that this, that, that medicine is absolutely negatively impacting your sleep, whether you realize it or not, it absolutely is. And if you're taking it even, you know, if you're taking it for five days a week, I guarantee you it's impacting your sleep, which therefore impacts everything else in your life because you, you know, sleep is like, you need it for everything, literally everything.
0: Now, have you learned anything from each business you've started?
1: (laughs) Uh, what haven't I learned? I mean, I've learned, I made so many mistakes. I, you know, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, have really learned a ton. I, I guess I could, if you could be more specific with the question, I'm happy to share, but I also, um, you know, I've phone screened over 2000 employees for interviews and hired hundreds of people. And, you know, I, uh, own the businesses across three different States. And so I'm happy to share anything you'd like about those experiences.
0: What kind of, what have you experienced I mean with opening your own businesses was it nice being your own boss? did you find it more hectic because of your ADHD because you get distracted so often?
1: you know I think that a lot of people think that ADHD is something that's negative, and I actually um I don't agree on the on the whole given if I had the choice to not have ADHD at all or have what I have, I would have it. I would keep it. And the reason is, I think that yes, it makes me more distracted at times. But the other thing that people don't realize is that I think ADHD actually helps me really focus on the things that I really like. It makes me so hyper focused on those things. Like, for instance, when I buy a business or open a business, and I needed to succeed, I am so dialed in to making that freaking business succeed that I think that's one of the reasons why I've been successful.
0: Well, I mean, and that's a good thing you brought that up. I mean, one of the factors of ADHD and ASD is they both the one thing they show, share in common is the uh-huh. hyper-focus. Yes. Hyper-focus the creativity. Those are the two big things they share in common. That's why people don't know if they have ADHD or if they have ASD, because those two things... Are huge in both of them. If you have a hyper focus, you fixate on it, and yep. you just talk about it and talk about it and spill all that information because it's something you love.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, I mean, I yeah. I see that in you, Rob. I mean, talking about your businesses and human first. I see that passion in you.
1: Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, Reed. And you know, I, I, it's funny because. You know, I do have a lot of entrepreneurial ideas, which again, like that that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. But with humans first, my wife and I met over three years ago and she said, Rob, you know, since I've met you, you've had tons of business ideas, like a lot of people with ADHD. But she said, the thing that you always come back to is humans first. You always are talking about this. This never leaves your mind. And I said, I agree with you. And that's to me how I know that this is my... You know, this is my calling. Like I didn't choose this. It chose me. And then that's why I'm really excited to work with people on it.
0: Now, how many clients do you have of this day with Humans First? Yeah, so,
1: um, you know, that's, I'll just say that, that's, uh depends on how you define a client, but I do work with people regularly, both on an individual level and teams and then entire companies. And, um, you know, I'm happy to just chat with people in general about this topic. And uh, it's funny because, you know, some people are very open-minded to it and others are not, and that's totally okay. But I think that almost every person on earth could benefit from uh, increasing their technology mindfulness or, or just having a little bit more awareness of how technology is impacting their life because they're using it for three quarters of their waking life, you know. It's, it's so it's so ingrained in every single thing
0: that we do. I mean, people. Yeah, I hear you on that because people don't realize every the minute they turn on their phones, they're stuck to it. Almost what a quarter of the a quarter of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can go outside right now, walk down the street, and I'll find someone looking at their phone walking walking their dog looking at their phone and i'm thinking would you pay more attention to your dog than your phone yeah right i agree with you i mean it's like i don't remember if you remember a couple years several years back there was that woman who fell into the water (laughs) into the the, yeah the water in the in the um hotel i think of the hotel or a mall because she wasn't looking where she was going to looking at her phone and she paid and she tried to sue and they said you were at fault because you weren't paying attention to where you were looking
1: yeah i mean that's and and you know i like your analogy of the dog walkers and i think the the unfortunate thing though is that when you were you you can replace dog with humans right like how many people are excuse me, they're staring at their phones when they're at the dinner table, when they should be having a conversation and talking about their day.
0: I mean, that reminds me of, I mean, you see it on TV or you hear it in the radio, then print the, the modern family sitting at a kitchen table during dinner, all of them staring at their phones or their tablets, playing games, and they're texting back, back and forth to each other instead of talking to each other what we need in this day and age is families to say, Dinner time, you put your phone away and you turn it off. Yeah. And you talk about your day.
1: Well, you know what's interesting, Reed? And I actually do work with families as well. And one of the things that I think most families haven't done is they haven't uh, established a family mission or value statement. And when you have that, when you've established, established a family mission and value statement, now you can filter all your future decisions through those missions and values. Right. And so for instance, you know, you could say to your son, Hey, 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 Tyler, you know, I see that you're on your phone on at the dinner table. Well, one of our family values is that we support and care for each other. And I'm trying to talk to you right now about something that I need support with and you're on your phone, I'm not feeling supported. Would you mind changing what you're doing right now so that we could uphold our family value of being supportive to each other? And so like having that conversation with people can completely change the family dynamic. It could completely help people differently think about how they Use their technology at the dinner table, uh, and it just requires them to make a family mission and value statement.
0: Now, is this something is this one of the things you talk about with the families is how yeah how we can get our family back together as a as a unit instead yes. of everyone in their phone on their tablets. Absolutely, sit there and talk about the day.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that is absolutely what I do is I I do. That's one of the services I offer is I help families construct mission and value statements for their their families. You know, I, I help them I don't, and I don't do it for them. I do it with them. It's a collaborative effort. We all do it together. And it's not just me and the parents. It's me, the parents and the kids as well. We all work on that together because if everyone goes through that process together, there'll be more buy in from everyone and then mm-hmm. there'll be more uh, compliance with it in the future when we when we discuss
0: it. And what kind of success have you had with it?
1: Well, I think it's something that has been super successful. And again, it's, it's really not something that's very difficult. It just takes a little bit of time and, and, and effort, but you know, that's something that I could help a family with in several hours, right? It's not like it takes like a day You take two to three hours where I'd meet with them in person and go through that process with them.
0: I mean, what, I mean, another thing, and I'm pretty sure you're aware of this, but families don't realize is that light from the cell phone or the tablet changes your, your time schedule in your head. Yes. The
1: circadian rhythm. The circadian
0: rhythm. That's the word I was looking for the circadian rhythm because it sees that light as daylight Yes, and your mind thinks, Oh, it's still daytime. And parents don't realize by letting your kid use their tablet and in dealing with it, you're screwing up with their sleep. I literally talked with a woman a while back who had a son who had ASD. I mean, I forget how long ago this was. And she's like, my son's having problems falling asleep. He's on his phone until, or his Mm -hmm. tablet until God knows how late, until he falls asleep with it. What can I do? What can you help me with? I'm like, well, there is an app you can put on there, but you also need to set a time limit. Yeah. You need to install a blue light filter. What that will do is that will get rid of that one light. Yeah. That, affects the circadian rhythm but you also need to set a time limit i know he's going to argue with you but you need Mm -hmm. to explain to him that listen this you're going to be exhausted by the time you wake up in the morning because you've been on your phone all day Mm -hmm. you need Mm -hmm. to put it away and you can use it for a certain set amount of time during the night and then after that you need to go to bed and that's the rules i'm saying i'm your parent this is what you got to do
1: you know, one thing that I it came from my research and again, like this, I really thought about this deeply because I believe I, I do have sensory processing disorder and this is very difficult to prove. And I, and I want to be very sensitive about talking about this because I know I, I'm aware of the audience that I'm speaking to, but I, there is some data that can indicate that it is possible that the use of screens, especially in kids before the age of five, it actually contributes to autism, it, the, like heavy use of screens, like, um, and the reason the, the thought process is this. So when you are born or when anybody is born, right, you have three times the amount of brain connections then when you're an adult and as you get older, those brain connections get pruned away so that your brain uses less energy because your brain is very energy intensive. Well, what can happen is if you use a screen a lot as a very young kid, there are, there are three things or stimuli that we pay attention to in nature, things that are bright, things that are moving and things that are loud. And so a screen is all three of those things generally. And so when you're very young and you have this stimulus that's bright, moving, moving and loud, it tells your brain, Hey, this is something important. Pay attention to this. And it's thought that it's possible that if your, your brain is being wired to pay more attention to a screen, it's being less wired to pay attention to other things like facial movements or facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And that potentially contributes to the, you know, some to the development of autism. I'm not sure if you've heard that before or what you think of that, but again, I, again, and like, this is very difficult to prove. This is not, you know, this is not like absolute certain certainty, but this is a theory that I've heard that I wanted to share with the listeners. Cause I am not sure if that, you know, might help people or if they're upset about that. I don't want to make sure they don't want to upset people, but I just thought it would be interesting for people to know that.
0: And now you said you have sensory processing disorder. Now, how do you deal with that? Like when you go into a loud place or at work, if it's loud, how do you deal with it? Do you wear earphones? Do you try to find a quiet place? Yeah. So I, um, I actually like
1: music a lot. I like a lot of music. And so I, um, I listen to EDM or house or electronic music. (laughs) So like anything that has like a really good beat, you know? And, um, so I actually find that when I'm doing some, not when I'm reading because I can't, there's too many inputs then. Like I can't, Mm. you know, read the words and then like listen to the words in the song. Yeah, it's too it's too much. It's too much. But I do like listening to music that doesn't have words when I'm doing, you know, computer work that doesn't involve reading. Like, for instance, if I'm making a spreadsheet, like if I'm making a financial model, I'll I'll put on some good music and I like and jam out to that. And that it really helps me be actually more motivated and more focused, I believe. But, um, you know, I, I uh, other things about the, the reason that I believe I had sensory processing disorder is when I was a kid. I would, um, have, I would cut out all the seams out of my socks, like my, you know, my socks on my feet, I would cut out the seams because they felt very uncomfortable to me and Mm -hmm. I didn't like the way that they felt. And then I also would, um, I I, I did have a very tough time reading people, people's facial expressions. Like it basically like didn't register for me until I was in my early twenties to like, look at people's faces and read their facial expressions at all like in my whole life. Like I just it like didn't even enter my mind to do that, you know, like to look at people like to register what was happening on people's faces. And, um, and I also, a, a lot of like things with texture of food, like I don't like the texture of most cold food, like lettuce or things like that. And I like the texture of a lot of hot foods, like, uh, you know, like a warm sandwich or something. Um, and so like, I just put all these things together and again, like I haven't been diagnosed but I'm like this kind of sounds a lot like sensory processing disorder, uh, because of all these things that I'm observing about myself. And the other thing is, by the way, that I have a very uh, good affinity to hear language and learn like I learn Spanish. I speak fluent Spanish and I learn Spanish very easily. Despite me having ADHD, I can hear a word pronounced in another language, even if I don't speak that language. And I can like say it back to somebody with almost perfect pronunciation without me ever having heard the word before.
0: I hate to break it to you, but you don't have sensory processing disorder. Everything you mentioned, those are all autistic. Autism.
2: Possibly. That's autism.
0: Okay. I mean, I have some of the things you mentioned. I mean, I have like a high, I have a heightened sense of smell.
2: Mm, Certain interesting.
0: smells really trigger me. Like cigarette smoke. Oh my mm. God. The smell of pot. Mm-hmm. So strong. Oh my God. I gag like really mm-hmm. bad. I have exceptional sense of hearing. Mm. I could be in a loud room, and my mother's phone could ring in her purse, and I can hear it. Wow! I've been told by two audiologists because the first time I went, I found out I have um, tinnitus. Me too. Second time I went, I my one these glasses were sitting wrong on my ear, and every so often it would cause like a ding like a little bell ringing almost oh. like a chain dingling uh-huh. and i would i went back and i went for the whole audiologist the audio the whole audio test and everything and the doctor came to me and he's like you have exceptional hearing You can hear every single sound that we've played for you. I'm like, then he's like, you know what tinnitus is. I'm like, no. He's like, tinnitus is that you have a little bit of loss in your hearing. And it's that gap between what you can hear and what you don't hear. And that's where the hum comes in. So you're hearing the loss. That's what the hum is. That's why it sounds like a disconnected wire.
1: Oh, so he's like, interesting. A
0: tiny bit of a like hearing loss, but you have exceptional hearing. But what you're hearing at home, you hear it at night when it's quiet because you, there is no other noise going on. So you're hearing uh, that, that little bit of loss.
1: That's so interesting. So it, is it common that a lot of people with Asperger's or autism have or ASD have tinnitus?
0: That I don't know, but I do know those with ASD have problems with sleep, uh-huh. like insomnia.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is I, um, you know, I guess I have to be uh, somewhat careful about what I say, but I, I truly believe that psychedelic use uh, can really help with a lot of the symptoms of both ADHD and possibly uh, Asperger's no, I, or ASD, I, I, let's say.
0: Yeah I understand that. I know somebody who in my um life coaching group he uses um um he smokes pot probably uh-huh. to, calm, to calm him and and stuff like that
1: yeah. Well, when I say psychedelics, I mean like, uh, psilocybin mushrooms or LSD mm. or, and, and those are being, uh, they're in clinical trials for actually, so one of them is in clinical trials for ADHD, uh, as well as like depression, anxiety, and other things, PTSD. Um, but I have, uh, we'll just say, uh, I believe that those, those substances can substantially help both ASD and ADHD people and make their symptoms, uh, we'll just say more tolerable and lessened, greatly reduced.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, it was a shock to my family when they found out I had ASD. Mm. Uh, Mm. The doctors didn't know what to put me on, so they put me on, um, not Stratera, they put me on Silurx. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And all they knew was I had a learning disability. Yeah. And then later in life, oh, he's got autism. Uh huh. So kind of things put kind of came together for them. Hmm. So now, if I say something wrong or say something to insult somebody, they know I'm not saying it. It's because I have no filter.
1: Right. Right. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that you understanding that. You you have ASD you know, makes like, it's probably like almost helpful in a way that it it like makes a lot of things make more sense. Like life makes more sense. Like when I realized I had ADHD, I was like, oh my God, so many things make so much more sense. Like I actually felt kind of relieved, you
0: know? No. How are you with memory with ADHD? Can you hold, can you remember things? And cause I know with ADHD, if you don't keep using that one thing, you forget it.
1: So what's interesting is I um, I do really well when I write things down, and so when I, for instance, read a book, I will hand write with a pen and paper notes, not type. And my wife like gets annoyed because I'll spend a day reading a book, and she'll and I'll be like, I want to talk to you about all these things that I just learned, and we'll talk for like, I mean, I'll just really be talking to her for like an hour, and you know, I'm like regurgitating all this stuff from the book, and she's like okay, okay. Like we don't, you know, we don't need to talk about this all night, but I just remember so much when I write it down, um, way more than when I hear things. And I think that most people are like that, but I I think it's especially helpful for me. And then when I take my notes and I re uh, and again, my wife makes fun of me because like I take notes on my notes. So like every six months or so I will take a week and i will t- uh, take all my notebooks from the last 6 months and take notes on those notes <laughs> and summarize them but that's how i re- that's how i remember everything over many years like i can t- remember all these random facts about stuff because i've just read it through a bunch of times and so i don't think that that's necessarily a a secret but i do think that Um, you know, people have ADHD and they repeat things a little bit more. I think that it really helps move a lot of things in the long-term memory.
0: I believe that I believe so too, because I remember people saying that when you write something down, it becomes like muscle memory. Yes. Your mind, your mind remembers writing it and then you see what you wrote and then it registers it into your head. And the more you write, the more you remember.
1: Well, interestingly, so we were talking earlier about our brains being Ferraris and they need, just need to apply the brakes, right? What mm-hmm. I heard is when you handwrite things, you, you can remember up to 36% more information. But why is more important? The why is when you handwrite stuff, it slows down your brain and that allows it to better encode that information. And so writing stuff down is like your brain slowing things down, which is what someone with ADHD needs, mm-hmm. and then they can remember it more. So I think that's really why it helps me.
0: I mean, I remember when I went away to Ashkosh for school for special ed mm-hmm. and we had a meeting, we had a dinner where you get, where you met the form, the teachers and the tutors and former students. And you get to talk with some of the former students. And one of them I was talking with, he's like, I'm going to tell you something. And he's like, listen, it It take where it takes a normal student an hour to process their work. It takes someone in like us two hours, yeah one hour to process it and one hour to understand what we just processed
1: uh, wow, that's super interesting that's super interesting to think about, yeah, I mean
0: well, one, one of the most uh interesting things was what the head of the department said, and that was listen, I'm going to tell you something and it's going to scare you, but you're going to understand this is there is no workaround. You're going to live with it. You're going to die with it. You just need to figure out how to work with it together.
1: Well, and that's why I was saying earlier, if I had the choice to not have ADHD or have it, I would take that because I do think that, you know, when I, and again, like I love analyzing things like that was my job for five years is being a stock analyst. I analyze medical device and pharmaceutical companies. And so like, if, if you, if, if someone just takes enough time to stop and think and analyze, like, how could I best use this in my life? And then you do that, you you, you experiment and you do that. Your life is so much better. It's incredible. And I just think a lot of people are scared to experiment, you know, but like what's going to happen. The worst that's probably going to happen is you're right back to where you started and you're at the same place. But if you experiment and it goes well, I mean, your whole life has changed and it's so much better. And I just think that that's amazing.
0: I mean, I got a friend who's got severe ADHD, and I feel for him because he can't get on ADHD medicine because mm. he's got POTS. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the doctors yeah. say we can't give you anything, any stimulus or even anti-stimulus because it will still affect your heart. So yeah, he can't focus for a long period of time. So now he can't hold jobs. And he doesn't know he's, uh, he's all worried and stuff. And then he keeps saying, listen, you got to find something you love and turn that into your job. And that's the yeah. simple of that. Mm-hmm. If you can't find work, make work debt and become your own boss. Yeah. I think that's a great,
1: that's great advice for you. I'm, i and I, I do think it's, you know, uh life is just a series of events where you're trying to find out what you're really put on this earth for, you know, and, 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 you'll be happiest when you true, when when you truly find out what it is and and some people never find out right but, but some people find out right away i feel like with humans first i found out what i'm here put on this earth to do
0: anyways rob where can people find more about humans first
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you could certainly check out my work at humansfirst.us. And then one other thing that I just wanted to offer the listeners read is a free 30 minute consultation with me, a free 30 minute call where we chat about your technology mindfulness. I can maybe give you a few pointers and we can talk a little bit about how I could help you. So all you need to do to redeem that free half an hour consultation with me is just email me. My email address is Rob R O B at humansfirst.us. And just mention this podcast, and then I'm happy to set up a half an hour call with you.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for coming on the show. And it's been a blast talking to you.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Reed. I'm super grateful for the opportunity and I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week.
0: You too.
2: the way things used to be I'm no big fan of now I must have some sweeter memories Somewhere in the clouds All you used to be huh. Gonna miss all you had Consigned to the dustbins of history Like opinions from your dead. Talk to the freaks And talk to just about anybody You happen to me It ain't what it was And it is what it is